Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us today for what is going to be, I believe this is going to be episode 56, and my friend, Andreka, we actually reviewed your, your last name earlier, Hershegger, Correct. Correct. <laughs> and as, if, as long as I know I've known you, I, I don't normally call you by your last name. And, and so we were reviewing that earlier. We were talking about your heritage, which is quite an interesting story in itself. In fact, we actually had about 40 minutes of conversation <laughs> before I hit the record button. I was like, man, we can make this a podcast episode in and of itself. But anyway, thank you for being here with us today. And you're actually one of the elite, uh, one of the few that have been invited back on the podcast, the Boca podcast. So thank you for making time to do that. Wow, that's impressive. I didn't know that. Absolutely. That makes you feel special. <laughs> you can feel truly honored, yes. I am. Um, and if you guys haven't heard episode 15 of the Boca podcast, we recorded it actually in person. We're on Skype today, but we recorded the last episode together in person in Chattanooga when you were passing through. Um, you can go back to episode number 15 and get to know Andreka a little bit, a little bit about her business model as well, which is really interesting. We talked about what it means to be a gypsy photographer and uh, so make sure you listen into that. But I do want to I, I do want to get or let our listeners get to know you on a personal level a little bit more here in just a second. I'd like to start our podcast off, though, with what I think I'm going to begin to call the aha moment. Um, you know, this can be something that that our guests have learned um, through kind of a harder experience or maybe just along the way as they were building their business, a key idea that really made a big difference in their business. And so I'm wondering if you can get our listeners started with an aha moment that you experienced as you built your business? Well, it's funny. When I think about this, I think uh, <laughs> I think I have an answer that might be controversial. <laughs> okay. I think my... Uh, I like controversy. Let's, let's do I, this. I figured, I figured you might like this. Um, so I started thinking about, okay, my, what was the shifting in my photography? And I would say I realized that I, I am service industry. Uh, for me... There's a difference between you're a photographer for your photography and you're an artist, but service and to serve your client, to make sure your client's happy. And if you go from a place of serving and making sure they're happy and giving them what they need and knowing what they need, your photography and art will be better for it because you're going to have a happy client. And if you have a happy, relaxed client, photography is so much easier and everybody's happier and the pictures turn out better. They're more relaxed. They trust you. And I think that was the moment when I shifted from being like, ah, this is about learning how to do photography, than learning how to service my client as a photographer. Does that make sense? It does. And and it is, on, I would probably say on the controversial side, because there is a lot of conversation about this idea that, quote, I'm an artist, right? And, and I mean, you yep. can speak to this idea. We were just talking before we started recording for the podcast about the fact that you studied in Italy. Um, you are kind of the, the epitome of an artist type, and yet you had this realization. Did this happen like immediately as you were launching your business or, or midway through? Or like, what, what did that look like? You know, I think, well, I mean, my first job 
out of school was in a restaurant industry and being okay. a server, literally a server and working in this quote service industry. And I think that almost helped me with my photography. I always loved photography. Photography was always a part of my life. I always had it, but that was just kind of there. So I didn't need to be that. That was already there. But the service aspect when actually running the business made me realize that. So I think it, it was just happened naturally. And then when I acknowledged it, is when things shifted. It's almost like I, I uh, allowed myself to say, no, I am a service industry and this helps my business in every way. The business encompasses so many different things, wedding photography specifically. Yeah, and that's so true. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. And, and this, this idea of business and art and service and art, what I started to say earlier is that, you know, there is a tendency in the photography industry to kind of, um, you know, pump yourself up, fluff yourself up as the artist type and say, this is this is my art, and if you want it, great. If you don't, go away. Um, and it's, right. it's very ego-driven. And, of course, I understand the thought process behind it. We don't get some of this amazing art um, in our culture, in our society, and around the world by people who are simply conforming to what everybody else wants. But, like you said, this is still a business that is geared towards serving a client by providing a, a, a photography service and if you get so caught up in your ego, it can actually get in the way of providing a great service, which can ultimately create a really stressful environment <laughs> as, a, as a business owner. So this is a really good reminder. It's something that's come up on the podcast before, and, it, and it's good to be reminded of this all the time, not just for the photographers listening, even for myself too, owning a company in the photography industry. Sometimes it's easy to, again, get a bit egotistical and say, I know better. Um, and that's not always the case. In fact, in many cases, that's probably not the case. So Really great piece of advice. Good reminder for us. Thanks for starting us off with that. And you know, I also think kind of, which also helped me accept it when you have the idea of people want, people don't want to say they're a service industry in the photography world. But if you think about it, the art and the aspect of the creativity is creating your art out of restrictions. And when doing that, I think that also kind of catapults your ability to be an artist. Ooh, see, I like that. having that. Yes, you're looking at it from a positive light, too. I, that's even better, even better. <laughs> you, you did say that you tend to look, look at the, the world in a, in a positive way, and, and uh, this is a great reflection of that. <laughs> but seriously, perspective is everything, and, and that's a really wonderful perspective and something to consider. Again, for our, our so-called artist types, many of us are that. I mean, I, I certainly had preferences as a photographer. I shot weddings for about a decade, and um, I understand the thought process, but again, we have an opportunity to take care of our clients, create a really positive environment, build our business, and ideally, if we've structured our business right, um, we then still have the freedom to practice our art on an even on an individual basis. Yeah. And uh, so it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive business and art or service and art. And like I said, it's a really great reminder. Now, I mentioned earlier that our listeners can go to episode 15 to hear more about your background and the business model, you are a wedding photographer, but something that you mentioned on your website that I'm not sure we've talked about before <laughs> is how you kind of got into photography with a hot pink point and shoot camera. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners about that. I don't even know if people remember. I don't even know if you can still, I'm sure you can find them somewhere on eBay. When I was in seventh grade uh, for my birthday, I got a hot pink, like one of those cameras that's probably you can't see me because I'm holding my hands in front of me. <laughs> uh, I don't know, three by six, three by seven, 110 camera, fil 110 film camera. Oh, and it was yeah. hot pink. They Do were kind of like a longer format, right? Yeah, they were long and skinny. The camera was, yeah, and the yeah. 110 film was. Yeah. Black and white, 
I had no idea what the heck I was doing. I took lots of photos all through seventh grade. I had that pink, hot pink camera with me all the time. And I started doing photo albums. And I have a photo album every year of my life, seventh through every year of college. No way. And then everything got digital. Yeah. And this is all stuff so that you I photographed. Had, That's so cool. And I didn't even think about it. I just thought everybody had a hot pink point and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> But that's so neat to be able to go back and look at that. Oh, yeah. it's crazy. I specifically remember taking a photo, and this is going to definitely show the era of what this was, of three girls in high school who all had like ratted out their bangs like two inches too high, but I had shot it in front of a window, so it was completely like silhouetted, not oh, intentional. <laughs> so all you could see were these crazy big bangs, rat nests. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but see, that's brilliant. I my one of my favorite things about photography, or in just the for- photographic realm, is just raw photography. Ideally, from somebody who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing, and you know, I, I even look back. I mean, my dad had an idea of how to take a decent picture. I have these photos um, from my childhood, though, that I just love pulling up and showing to people. And they're like, "Oh my goodness, you have these these pictures!" You know, literally from the time I was what a little baby on up into high school. I love being able to look back, but how much cooler that you, these were pictures that you photographed yourself, your perspective. Yeah. And now you can go back and look at that. That's really, really cool. So did I joke that, that I have a photographic memory only because I have the photographs to help me remember. <laughs> well, but that totally makes sense. Do you think that that, that kind of helped encourage the interest in art as a whole or did it have any effect on that? Well, I didn't, it's funny because my mother is an artist now and she always, she was an artist before she had children and then she didn't do art the whole time. And then it was funny because when I graduated high school and went to college, I took art classes. My brother took art classes. And then when my mother had an empty nest, she went back to painting. And now she's an, actually an artist back to it. So I think it's just in the genes to have art around. That's really, really cool. And you mentioned studying yeah. in, in Italy, which is just a, a dream. That, that sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. Now, you, you yeah. came on the, the podcast back in November any major changes that have happened in your business since then kind of learning curves maybe that you've experienced what's it been like you know it's been I think I was on a burr I was on an upswing when I was up last time like I think I had mentioned I had just hit like almost the rock bottom of my photography business and was ready to quit and didn't think I could ever make it back up and then the next eight about eight months later was when I came on the podcast and I realized I was on the upswing and felt it going and it was a lot shifted with the idea and we talked a little bit about this and I know you know this Nathan the idea of being a, I'm a businesswoman and a photographer and they, they coexist together. And that it's, in fact, yesterday, the other day I was shooting a wedding and I said to someone, wow, I didn't even feel like I worked enough this week because all I did was shoot for three days because I was thinking I have so much business aspects to run. So I've now shifted my mindset from the photographer is there. And I wonder if this is actually something that just occurs longer you're in business. The photography thing comes natural and you have that. So you don't stress about that aspect as much. And to realize now it's the photog- now it's the maintaining. Now it's the keeping up with the social media and the marketing yeah. and branding and understanding the business side. I think as artists, we forget the business side so often. And that was my big growth and the ebb and flow. Like it was an ebb and f- understanding that the ebb and flow with your business, this has been an aha moment I've had recently this year was you have so many people always saying you want to get to the point in your business where you can choose the clients you want and maintain that, not realizing, you know, you're going to have a year that's going to be less weddings for let more money. And you're going to have a year that might be more weddings for less money. And I had mentioned earlier when we were chatting that I'm coming off a super busy year. 
And this past summer, I have shot more than I ever have, but for less than I usually do. And it stressed me out and I'm exhausted and I'm tired, but at the same time, it's made me know my worth. So I'm already getting for next year, all right, no, I don't want this next year. So next year I'm booking less weddings for more money. So I think it's just also not beating yourself up and understanding the ebb and flow of life and ebb and flow of business. I love that. Well, it's it's the the idea of kind of going with the flow. This has been something I've been reminded of as of late too, because I'm a pretty emotional individual, and um, I I've gotten stressed out, uh, for lack of a better phrase, pretty easily on multiple occasions, particularly over the last number of years. I mean, I've I've gone through a lot of personal growth and dealt with some personal issues, and and it's been it's been pretty heavy. Um, but it's important. I mean, you have to first of all kind of create a baseline intelligence when you approach starting a business, it's important to, to keep in mind that, hey, you've got to bring in a certain amount of money and then you've got to manage that money intelligently. Um, but if you've, you've done those baseline requirement or, or kind of created a baseline existence as a business owner, um, right. just then understanding, as you said, that there is an ebb and flow and sometimes things may be up a little bit, sometimes things may be down a bit, uh, but that's just part of being a business owner. Uh, I, th- I think that's a really great reminder, and we, there's no need to kind of go over the top and get stressed out and worry that the business is going to shut down. Just understand that, hey, there's, there is an ebb and flow to life, including our businesses, and just going to continue to intelligently, not just simply do the work, but do so intelligently. Put in the work, network, um, do the work with the numbers in your business, and and ultimately that, that work will continue to come. I mean, we have to stay relevant. We have to stay connected. These are These are very important things, but... Um, but that's a really great reminder. And I think a good encouragement for a lot of photographers, because I mean, I know having been a photographer and just an entrepreneur in general, how stressful it can be when things seem to be kind of on the downward, um, yeah. spiral <laughs> and, and man, that can be so stressful because you are solely in charge of, of your income, but this is a really, really great reminder and, uh, kudos to you for just continuing to, to evolve because that's so important too. you. know, I, I'm, there's something that I'm reminded of um, that that uh, happened a number of years ago here in town. It was working with a local lab, and companies like Pictage and other online gallery hosting companies uh, were coming to being and kind of kind of taking over the 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 lab and printing and hosting uh, process for the photography industry. And this local lab, uh, the guy that owned the lab, and I've been working with him for for quite some time. I'd walk in and just kind of over and over, I'd hear him complain about how the industry was changing. And finally, I just, I kind of had enough myself of hearing this <laughs> this whining and this complaining and, and the kind of negative attitude that he had toward it all. And um, basically said to him, you got to, like, you got to be willing to change, make these changes. If you want to be competitive all, you have to shift, you know, mentality. You have to do things differently in order to stay current and in order to stay competitive, but but this idea that that we expect the way that we have been doing things is always going to work is certainly going to be uh, is certainly going to hurt us. Well, personally, but but ultimately and in business. So the fact that you're continuing to work to stay relevant and make adjustments as you go is is quite impressive. Kudos to you for that, and it's a good reminder for our listeners as well. It's really really great. Now, when we were talking about you coming back on the the podcast something that you got really excited about was a conversation, not so ironically, <laughs> centered around conversation or communication. <laughs> and I know when we were talking before I hit the record button, 
um, you were saying that that communication. I mean, if we we go the the personal route, that's a whole conversation in and of itself. So I'd love to get your take just to kind of start this this focus on how to better communicate with our clients. What in your mind defines good communication uh, in the realm of business? So it's funny. I love this question. It started me thinking about expectations. So I think communication is built around expectations. And the beginning, I want to find out their expectations. I want to find out what they're wanting and what they're thinking and what's important to them. And I want them to communicate this to me. And that's kind of in the beginning process. And then once we're actually going, and then the whole time through, I tell them what they can expect from me. So, you know, I'm going to expect, I'm going to explain to them, I'm going to be here this time, this time, this time. And this is what you can expect from me. And this is, so I think it, it starts just the building of communication of like, I want to get to know you and you're going to get to know me and we're going to all be on the same page and know where we're heading down this journey when we get together. And it starts with, by, by managing expectations. That's, that's really great. Managing and- expectations and finding out. So if someone says to me, I want to have all these things and a bag of green tea Kit Kat. <laughs> 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 little inside joke there. Andreka is is absolutely wonderful. She she knows that I grew up in Japan. And so from time to time, I get a chance to see her. Even when I'm not seeing you, I get a little package in the mail of green tea Kit Kats. This is a kind of a Japanese variation on the uh, the American treat that is just really, really great. But uh, anyway, that little side note there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, you know what? That might be a little much. So explaining that this is, this is what you're expecting, but this is what I can meet you. And so then there's no misunderstanding about a bride, especially wants, they want to feel safe and secure. And by building this sense of communication and they know I'm being honest and they're being honest with me, it just builds a sense of security. More than anything else, I think brides and couples are so afraid of having bad pictures and so afraid of spending so much money in having bad pictures. So starting at that level just creates a sense of safety. That's and that's a great point. Really, at kind of the base human level, this is something that Tony Robbins talks about. One of the kind of the base human needs um, is stability or security, and we're creating that. And, and it's funny because really, this is totally relevant to personal relationships as well. It, it, in order to help create a sense of security or safety, it is important in establishing a relationship or building on a relationship to establish certain expectations. Um, not necessarily expectations in a, in a selfish sense, as much as just, hey, you know what, this is this is what I'm looking for in a relationship. And then, of course, and that's on a personal level, more personal level, but then also uh, on a business level, you're clearly setting the expectations for the client as to how you work with them, uh, not only from the get-go, but then on the actual wedding day. So they, they feel comfortable in the fact that you're going to be handling the photography, what that's going to actually look like. So they don't have to, as you say, they don't have to worry about it. They feel safe. Yeah. They, they feel <laughs> secure in that. And that's that's a really, really great reminder. Do you do you give them kind of an, a, an outline of the way that you handle the wedding day? Or is this something you communicate to them in person or over the phone? What does that look like? So the minute someone contacts me, the first thing I do is I send them a questionnaire. And in that questionnaire, I want to know your story. Tell me what you want your wedding to look like. And this can be anywhere from, you know, three months before their wedding or if someone's planning two years before. So sometimes the questionnaire can be really in-depth and sometimes they don't really have that much planned yet. And But more than anything else, I want them to start being feeling like they can open up to me and feeling that I care. I think that's a big thing too. By having this sense of communication, it shows that I care and it shows that I want to get to know them and they are special. 
Well, um, and that gives them an opportunity then to communicate their expectations to you, right? You're asking right. these questions, so now you know what yep. they're looking for, what they want out of this. And I can know at that point, can I meet their expectations? And That's if I great. can't, I can communicate right back to them and say, you know what? Say, for example, if someone comes to me and wants a ton of coverage for a very low budget, I'll come back and say, are you sure you want that ton of coverage? Let's go over what your schedule looks like. Let's talk about what you really need or want, what's important to you. Are you looking for someone who's going to cover you all day? Or are you looking for someone who just wants a few hours and you think you want something that covers all day? I think a lot of brides these days and couples will go online and get advice from all these other people, but they don't think about what they really want. And sometimes I think, and I hope, my questions help them, help release them from the pressure of the outside world and make them think a little bit inside about what's important to them. They have someone, quote, expert in the industry yeah. saying, you don't have to listen to everybody. Yeah, Tell me what you want. I want to hear what you want. That's so good. Well, and because there's so much content out there that's being produced, yeah. this, you know, kind of clickbait articles that that tell the bride what she wants, basically. Yeah. And and for you to be able to actually kind of dig into what the client is expecting and then help them understand a little bit better, maybe what would actually be a better fit for them as far as the photography goes. Um, that's, that is showing that care that you were talking about. And it's then, of course, you, that gives you kind of a baseline to be able to create the appropriate expectations for the day. So this is really, really good. And I actually want to get um, an idea for our listeners of what your primary points of communication are and working with a wedding client here in just a second. I, I, we haven't even really mentioned this, but really your specialty is wedding photography, just for the sake of context. And if you guys haven't seen Andreka's website yet, make sure you go to Andreka. It's spelled A N D R E. JKA AndrekaPhotography.com, and uh, you can you can also find her on Instagram Andreka Photography as well. Go check out her work there. But I, I wanted to take just a quick step back. What was the point in your business where you realized the significance of this type of effective communication, or was it just something natural for you? What did that actually look like? You know, it's funny. I started <clears throat> doing it because I thought, oh my! Like, I think I've always had this. Maybe because I started in the service industry, I started off. I've always sent the questionnaires, and I started off doing it in a sense of I got to know what they want so that I can do it and I don't mess up. Like it was 100% built out a sense of almost an insecurity. And then as it's grown, I realized so that kind of almost came from a natural aspect of just tell me what you want and let me see if I can do it. That makes sense, and that was something you said that happened really from the get go. Yeah, from the get go. But then I think since then I've grown, and I've also had the the meaning of it changed. Like why I do it now becomes it makes my photography better. It makes us have a better experience. And it wasn't really until I realized the communication part. And I just assumed everybody did this until uh, a friend of mine the other day said, who shoots with me said, you do realize you really communicate well with your couple and lead them and guide them. And so they know what to do. And I think we, you know, the other podcast that we did, we talk a lot about me being living all over the place and doing a gypsy photography life. Um, I think communication is key when I don't see them face to face. So doing my business in a destination location like Mackinac Island, Florida, California, I have to use this way to communicate because they don't see me face to face and I want them to trust me beforehand. So it's kind of grown. And, and the idea, too, of leading your clients, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard a photographer use the term in that context before. And I want to explore that a little bit more in just a second. But talk to us a little bit about what points, what your points of communication are with your client. You already mentioned the initial questionnaire. So they reach out to you 
Um, is this after or before they've they've booked you for the wedding? This is before they even book. So I customize most of my wedding packages. I have a general list, um, but for the most part, first thing first thing out the door, you come off my website. I'm going to send you a questionnaire. From this questionnaire, it's going to say what's your budget, how many hours are you looking for, what's your love story, where are you getting married, and all these things kind of help me see what you're really looking for and what I think might work for you. And then going from that, I then build a package and we start a conversation at that point. So there, at the very beginning, we're communicating together to come up with something unique and customized. Now, is there a drawback to not having kind of like a baseline price point to start with? Do you have something like that on your website? Uh, I don't have anything on my website. I have like my mental idea of what I think I need or want. But then also this kind of makes it easy. Like I've had a couple times this summer where I have just heard the most amazing love stories and it's on like a Thursday and I was like, I want this wedding. That's cool. Because I want to witness this crazy love story come together. Um, so it kind of gives me a little freedom with that as well. And I've kind of always done the customizing for the most part. I, I think probably since the last five, six years and it just seems to really work well for me and it helps again me get to an, another point in which we can communicate. So the first thing I start with is the questionnaire. And that's really interesting that you're investing that much time in, in the conversation prior to even booking the client. That says a lot about the level of service that you're providing. I think that's really, really cool. Someone once said, you should somehow promote and market yourself as a boutique brand. You're not a Ritz-Carlton. You're not, you're not the Ritz-Carlton. You're one of the high-end boutique brands. Well, 10 that, amazing rooms. Yeah. Oh, 10 boutique amazing hotel. rooms. Yeah. Like a boutique yep. hotel type idea. Well, and, and as an individual photographer or sole proprietor, like, like a lot of our listeners probably are, um, it's really important to, to think that way. Um, you're, you are selling a unique, what is hopefully a unique brand and ultimately that unique brand is you. And so I think that's, that's a really intelligent way to look at it. Now you start with the questionnaire, you develop this custom package based on the information that they give you. What's the next point of communication? So then I send out the proposal and with the proposal, there's several different packages they can choose from. And I usually base it off of my general packages and then I just tweak it here and there. Like I might have a package that has six hours, two photographers and an online gallery where they can download the images. But then the next package would be eight hours engagement shooting an album. So then I'll end up customizing something between the two for people. And then after that, once they book, I send them an email and I kind of basically open it up to them. And I'm like, feel free to contact me with any pictures you like. I'll encourage them. I know some photographers don't like this, but I encourage people to put together a Pinterest board. Uh, it gives me an idea, but this is where I come in and leverage. So, I, for example, in Mackinac, there's a, there's a big bridge. This, this is an island in northern Michigan that has no cars in northern Michigan. And there's a big bridge in the background that connects the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula. And I have to add, for those of you who have never <laughs> been to Mackinac, it is otherworldly it is absolutely beautiful you've got to go sometime and so oftentimes brides are like oh i want the bridge in the background and i say okay maybe <laughs> because there's so first off the bridge looks so much bigger with your eye than it does in the camera and i always want to make sure they understand they're not going to get that picture and if the sun's hitting it just right or if it's a cloudy day or there's oftentimes where the bridge will just be blown out no matter what you do especially if it doesn't really quite match your aesthetic and your style. So that's like when they send out their Pinterest, it gives me a gist of what they want. And I'll often say, you know what? Oftentimes I'm going to go for this. I can't promise it's going to look just like this. If you're showing me a picture on Pinterest of someone in a golf course, a golf course, 
and there's no golf courses near your wedding. <laughs> You're not going to have that picture. And it's so funny how that plays out sometimes. <laughs> like they, they, there isn't uh, always logic that's, that goes with these lists gets, that, that right. get sent to you. And I well, think that's part of why a lot of photographers roll their eyes. But why, like, why do you feel like this is a good thing for your clients to do? I think it again shows my honesty and builds the trust and security. If I'm, cause if I say we're going to try this, but it might end up looking at something different. They know beforehand. It's not that they're not going to get the pictures later and be like, why didn't I get this shot? Yeah. So you start with a questionnaire. This is going, yep. you're developing the custom package. It's going to the client. They, they, um, give you that information. You build a proposal, multiple packages to choose from. They go ahead and book you. And then do you, I mean, at this point, I, I think you referenced earlier the fact that a lot of these clients you're kind of managing remotely. So you don't, I mean, how, yeah. what percentage of the time do you actually get to meet in person before the wedding? Well, oftentimes these days I've been getting more engagement shoots. So I'll do a few engagement shoots across all over the place. Like I actually have a couple that I'm shooting next year in 2018. They came to Mackinac. They live in Chicago. They came to Mackinac and I did an engagement shoot for them up there. And then I, they saw that I was going to be in Chicago for a wedding and they contacted me and said, hey, will you do one in Chicago? So I've actually done two engagement shoots with this couple before the wedding. Oh, that's so cool. So, And if I see that they live somewhere where I'm going to be, I'll reach out to them and try to get together just again to like build the pers personal connection. Um, yeah. But then after that, if I don't see them, I'll then, and this is where it's interesting because oftentimes I don't work with a coordinator. Oftentimes I wish that I did, but I always, again, leveraging expectations, wanting to make sure everyone's on the same page. I send them another questionnaire and I say, you know, send me your final schedule of the day. And this is usually two, three weeks out from the wedding. And then this questionnaire is very detailed. Like what family photos do you want? Mom with groom, mom with bride and groom, mom and dad. Are there, this is a huge question. Are there any family dynamics? Yes. That's a huge one. Because <laughs> oftentimes people will mark their photos, mom and dad, and my immediate family, but then all of a sudden you get to the pictures and it says divorced with a stepmom and a stepdad. Okay, but wait, how does that fit into the mom and dad? So then I circle back to their communication. I send them the list. I said, is this how you want to break it down or do you want to break it down this way? And I just think the more you communicate, the more trust is built. So then if you need to, if things need to be maneuvered a little bit, you can lead them and help them make their day run smoother. That's so, then I, so important. This was something that I did yeah. um, that, that we did back when I was still shooting. It was in that questionnaire, as you're, you're describing, that, that question about the family dynamics, things to be aware of. Because the last thing that you want is to put you know, two family members together that don't particularly care to be near each other. And now you have drama on the wedding day. So just, I mean, it doesn't take much effort to ask simple questions like that. You're, you're the better for it. Everyone's ultimately the better for it. You have a much smoother experience on the wedding day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I find that <clears throat> I then ask for their schedule. And when I put it together with their schedule, I can then see where things are going to fit or not fit. So I always joke with my couples that I'm super OCD before the wedding. And then it's like right brain, left brain. And then when I start shooting, I hand three copies of the schedule to my assistant because I will lose them as I'm just focusing on shooting. And I use that to go always refer back to. If I'm standing in a room and I don't know what I'm doing, I grab my sheet and it puts me back into where I need to be. And I think, again, I think my couples see this sense of communication. It creates a safety and security for them, which makes everything just easier and run a little smoother. That's really, really cool. So then you, you shoot the wedding day. And once you've finished, what is the next point of communication in, in the process of kind of delivering images to them? So I, I always tell them that, too. So when I usually see them, I'll say, you know what? I usually say six weeks. I usually get done in four weeks. Um, but if you need something tomorrow, shoot me an email and I'll get you something. 
And so is this, this would be like something that you might post on Facebook or the blog, or do you send it to them directly? I'll send it to them direct. Like if they want a picture for thank you card, I'll shoot them. I'm pretty, like, I feel my thought towards it is my philosophy is that you've invested a lot of time and money into me. My goal is that you're going to keep using me in the future and you're going to refer me and that my whole business is based off referrals. That's what, that's my ideal. And I want you to be so happy at the end that you want to use me for everybody. There's a couple this summer that I've done. I did their engagement pictures. I did their wedding. I did their maternity photos and I'm doing their baby photos this winter. Like that's all in like a year and a half. <laughs> that's, a busy year. <laughs> yeah. Well, talk about a return client, but you don't, do you advertise doing family photography or is this just kind of a service that you provide your existing wedding clients? It, I do. It's on my website, but I don't really push it. It's kind of like just, I, I fill up enough not having to really promote it much. And when I come through different cities, I have clients since a lot of these locations are destination that I can just build off that. And so in the end, I think I want people to just, I read a business book years ago. It was one of the first ones I read. And I want to say it was building customers, building customer evangelists. Yes. Uh-huh. Creating, consumer. creating customer evangelists. Yep. Yes. I knew you'd know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it talks about building the experience and I want them to walk away not going, oh, we got these photos from this person. I want them to go, wow, she was our friend. She communicated. She knew me. Um, and I kind of say that in the very, very first email I send out is let me get to know you. You get to know me. I want to be like a friend at your wedding kind of thing, which I'm sure a lot of photographers do, but I really focus a lot on that. Oh, that's so important. And, and it's a really, really great book for those of you who haven't read it. It is called creating customer evangelists and the, the authors are Ben McConnell and Jackie Huba or Hubba, um, H U B A, but you can search that on Amazon and find it. Definitely recommend that book. It really it, it talked earlier about the fact that perspective is everything, and that will really help develop your perspective and the way that you build your business to, to truly serve your client. Okay, so you've given us all these communication points from the questionnaire to the proposal. Um, you talked about how you let the bride send you examples of the type of imagery that they're looking for and how you handle that whole process. And then an additional questionnaire, which is really great. I mean, you, you really can't communicate too much with with clients. Getting the details of the wedding day is really, really important. Um, sending them a quick image or two after the wedding, if that's something that they're looking for. And then I guess really the last kind of communication point that I'm curious about is, uh, well, I guess image delivery, but but even more specifically album delivery. What does that process look like? You know, it's funny too, with albums, I think oftentimes too, you have to communicate to a couple, they might not think they want an album. And by doing a follow-up about an album, you can kind of let them decide in a more educated space if they want one and how to do it. They can do it themselves if they have the images, but the difference of what you're going to get with the two is really good to communicate as well. Like showing the difference between a, a professional album and a lower end album or one that they would do with consumer products. Uh, so then I send them a questionnaire or an email that kind of explains this with the instructions on how to do their album. So they also see how easy it is. If they already have an album included, it'll give examples and a description of all the different album types and how they can use their included album as an upgrade. And basically we just start a communication. If they, I'm always available, even though I'm always traveling and on the road, I'm always available for conversation if someone wants to talk or text or email. Like I think getting back to someone quickly is also key to all of the things. <laughs> to all of the things. Well, and that's an, things. yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> point. But do you find that kind of allowing for that nonstop communication does it does it interfere with your personal life, or are you able to manage it pretty effectively? 
it's funny. This past weekend, I had two different types of brides, totally different. And they ultimately were both the same. Um, one didn't really communicate. I literally didn't know what time I was going to shoot the wedding on Saturday until the morning of the wedding. And the other sent so many emails. And I think that's the difference. People usually don't call. And if it's an email, if I'm busy and I'm on the road, as again, communicating, I will send an email and say, hey, I got this. I'm in the middle of some, I'm in the middle of A, B, and C, or I would never tell someone that they're above another thing, but I'll be like, Hey, I got this. I'm going to take a little bit more time to look it over. I'll get back to you in such and such a day. And I think that's where people just want to know you. I'm, I hear you. Give me some time to take more time to look into it versus just responding fast. Right. And, and there again, you're managing expectations, which has been a wonderful theme throughout this. So you send them some information about what this album creation process looks like. And you know, it's something that struck me as you were talking is just the way that you handhold your clients um, and, and the best way possible. I mean, you're, you're truly serving them, taking care of them uh, versus seemingly taking the, or as opposed to taking kind of the, the hard sales route, just really pushing something on them. You're just walking them through the process and allowing them to make choices for themselves. Have you ever tried kind of the hard sales process in, in contrast to what you do and seeing if there's a difference in, in the result? I haven't. I just can't do the hard sale. Like, I, I guess in a way, I and in fact, I'll, the email I send them at the very beginning, if someone's questioning what package to go with, I'll tell them to go for the small package, knowing that you might end up hours and you might end up adding hours later, but I'll tell them go for something small and then we can see what it looks like later. And usually they end up adding later, I think, because they know I didn't push it into them. That's interesting. And do you do that just out of empathy for them or what, what drives that behavior? Uh... That's how I would want to be treated. Interesting. Yeah. That's how, kind of how I like the idea. I don't want everything. I don't want, I don't want to buy too much. I'd rather buy more later. And then too, who knows if they only have a certain amount of money that they want to spend and they go for a six hour package in the end, they might have extra money and buy an album or add more hours later or spend it somewhere else. And I think when they look back to like building a relationship yep. and a trust, they know I didn't say you want this. And then in the end they go, we did not need 10 hours. We really only needed seven. That's a great point. That's really interesting. Yeah. So then with this album design process, you kind of create an expectation of what that looks like. You, you share the steps with them. Are you using, I give a, them a timeline. Okay. And then are yep. you using a particular piece of software to, to design that album software and communicate with them? What does that look like? Yeah. So I use a, I use an album design company called smart albums. And I know there's a couple other ones out there, Fundy, um, and Queensberry has its own. Um, but with each of these album design companies, you can go in and do it. You can send a copy of it to your client. Your client can then make literally comments on it. So you can easily go back page by page and see what the clients did. Oh, that's and so you convenient. can also comment back. So it kind of works really well for page by page. And again, I think some, it's funny when I'll have once in a while, I have a bride contact me and say, so when do we get our album? And I'll be like, don't you want to see it before you buy it? Because <laughs> they just assume <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Interesting. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is a joint effort. Like you, you get to see it. And they are always kind of a little like surprised in a good way. Like, oh, oh I wow. thought you just I, I wish I'd had more of your clients. I mean, that, that, that would have made things really simple. I mean, back in the day when I was, and I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, the name of the, the album company that we were using at the time, this is a long time ago, it was a matted album company when I was shooting. That, that whole process of designing and then communicating and then redesigning and making yeah. changes was just so tedious. The fact that you can use a piece of software like Canva to, to design and then communicate with the client makes it 
um, that was just so much more efficient, which is which is wonderful. But th- this is really good. I mean, for the for the kind of veteran photographer, they may already have a workflow in place. Hearing your approach to this workflow, the communication workflow with your clients, I think is a good, maybe a refresher, maybe even have thrown some new ideas their way. And especially for the newer photographer who's trying to establish a workflow, um, that this is really, really helpful to get an idea of how to go about best communicating with the client. Now, something you touched on a little bit earlier was the idea of leading your clients. And and I think I may have mentioned in the moment, I'd never heard a photographer refer to communication with their clients as leadership. What is, can you expound on that just a little bit? What does that mean to you? What does it look like? And then maybe some suggestions as to how our listeners can apply that to their business. This, I think, is the biggest thing that got me the most excited about coming on this podcast was when I realized how important, how that makes, by leading your client, you've spent all this time building a trust, building a relationship, making them feel safe. That when you see your client, and I think at this point, most brides are like this. They see the schedule and they go, oh my gosh, we have to do this. This schedule is malleable. Weddings are malleable. Things are going to shift around. And when they look around a room and everyone else is kind of not really taking care of you, you, the photographer, event planners as well, are the one person they know they can look at and lead to and release their mind. I was, t- I mentioned earlier this bride that I had this weekend who didn't, she changed her mind, but our wedding started at Saturday afternoon, Friday afternoon. She was saying, let's start at one. No, let's start at one thirty. No, let's start at two Sunday, Saturday morning. I woke up and, uh, and I hadn't spoken to her on the phone yet. We'd done some communication back and forth with emails and I was kind of thinking, I don't know what this is. I'm not sure how this is going to go. And she emailed me Saturday morning and said, let's start at this time. And again, it was shifting all around. And the schedule just, she, you could tell she was getting told things by a ton of different things and it weren't making sense. Like she was getting told by one family member that, oh, the kids can't do here, but the kids weren't really related to any of the photo or the timeline. It was just kind of all jumbled mess. And I called her and I said, okay, let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we start chatting and I said, how are you feeling? First off, first off, find out, find out where we're at. And then ultimately I realized, read the room. You don't want to do this with every bride. She just wanted someone to say, I want to shut down my brain. Can I lean on you? Wow. And it was like, she didn't say that, but I could tell. And I said, all right, I'm going to throw this out there. I, and I, I said to her, shut down your brain. I'm going to take care, take care of everything. I'm going to make sure you get to where you need to be. I'm going to start at 1.30. We're going to go A, B, and C. This is what the day is going to look like. So even though we did this schedule beforehand, she's got everybody else telling her things and doing things that she knew at that point she could look at me throughout the day. And I would be, because I don't care about anyone else at the wedding. I just care about her. <laughs> and her and her husband, her groom, um, I just want to make sure they're happy. I mean... Sunday's wedding, we're sitting there and the groom is like, you could tell they were stressed. The family photos were going along. Things were rushing late. And I said, Mary B, you know, Mary B, my assistant. I'm like, we will get them champagne. She went and got them champagne instantly. Again, that building of the trust and the communication. And I'm going to take care of you. And once you have that, I can then lead them so that when things aren't going smoothly, they can turn to me and they know that I'm going to be their leader and help them through their day. So like that morning of Saturday, when I said, just turn off your mind. It wasn't a matter of, do you want to do it one or one 30? I didn't ask them a question, ask her a question. At this point she had, I could tell in her voice, she was tired and didn't want to think and just wanted to have a good day. Well, and that just your ability to be able to do that is 
built on the initial effort to just talk to them, to communicate with them. And then you create expectations so that they feel a certain sense of stability, which then makes them trust you, which then enables you to be able to lead. So this is a really, I I mean, what what a wonderful example you are to our listeners. And I think the way that that you have established your business model to be centered around the idea of service and even taking it to the extent of being able to lead your clients, which again, you've, you've been able to do this because of the way that you communicate that with them. I think this is just a wonderful piece of advice or pieces of advice <laughs> and a wonderful example for our listeners. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually a good reminder for me too, just as an entrepreneur and considering the way that I communicate with my clients, not only the importance of ex- creating expectations, but creating an environment where they feel like they can trust me and then I can lead them. I, I, this is a this is a really fascinating topic, and honestly, we could probably yeah. dig even further yeah. into it if we had a little bit more time. I know you've got to run to an appointment, and I actually have another podcast interview coming up, <laughs> so we have to we have to kind of close things out here. But if our listeners want to reach out and contact you and little, learn a little bit more, if they want to to just see some of your work, see what you're up to, where can they find you online? I know we mentioned this earlier, but if you don't mind just sharing that again for our listeners, that would be awesome. So my, I have two Instagrams. One is my business, which is Andreka Photography, A-N-D-R-E-J-K-A. And the other is kind of my personal when I'm traveling all over the place, which is Andreka's underscore Gypsy Life. Uh, I split my business between the three locations, California, Florida, and Michigan, a little bit more Florida and Michigan now. And so that's kind of just my life all over the place. Oh, and you and have to I, just throw in Italy there too, since oh, you're going there. Oh, and Italy. <laughs> Actually, last time we talked, I was leaving for Bali. Uh, I, I mean, it's amazing. You, <laughs> you truly have the the you gypsy life. For me, every time I have a good podcast, I leave for a great trip right after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly all wish you the best. I hope you have an amazing trip out there, and um, I can't thank you enough for making time to come and share with our Boca Podcast listeners. Um, so much great information to consider and ultimately to apply to our business. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.